thank you for listening to the Manage Smarter Podcast. Your hosts, C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong, navigate new ways to hire, develop, and retain talent, helping your team soar to higher performance. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast. I'm the Director of Communications for Sales Fuel, Audrey Strong. And I am C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. All right, managing smarter, always a good thing, which is why we named the uh, podcast that. And boy, have we got a treat for you today. Shane Murphy, he calls himself a field services leader and change agent, team-led team evangelist, and his Twitter is team-led team. Shane, it's so great that you're here. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So you two go back a ways. How do you guys know each other? I'm, I, I'd like to know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah, it so has been a while. Well, oddly enough, uh, the Columbus Crew uh, soccer team has been in the news quite a bit lately, Ooh. and that's where Shane and I, uh, I believe, first met up. In, uh, and in fact, we ran a team website for at least two years, and uh, Shane, you were also doing podcasting way back when. I mean, that was we're talking about mid-90s, I think. Yeah, I think we were doing podcasting before podcasting was called podcasting. Oh, wow. Exactly. I'm but pretty yeah. sure we were. Yeah, it wasn't called podcasting then. I think we call, it was like MP3 streaming or some nonsense. That's right. The iPod was I don't think was in existence yet. You are wow. correct. That's pretty scary, right? Yeah. You were ahead on that, and you're ahead on your views on uh, leadership and making good teams. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Lee and I are both in the same boat on on I guess thought leadership in the leadership realm. So Shane and I also know each other a lot uh, through the game, uh, the game of soccer, and referred to as most places as football. But uh, and the fact that uh, you know we both coach soccer teams, youth soccer teams, and Shane's actually helped run a youth soccer organization. And uh, but you know going back to that, so you have a lot of experience with teams, whether they be professional teams, amateur teams, uh, you know children's teams. Yep. Uh, so did that influence, did any of that experience of yours uh, really impact your, your creation of the concept of team-led team? Yeah, I think so. I, I, to be honest with you, I would rather coach six-year-old boys than, than the teams I coach these days, right? They're, they're a little bit easier to control. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, at least, you know, you've coached young kids too. I mean, it mm-hmm. seems frustrating, but when you just kind of let it go and, and they can, little kids can create some pretty amazing things if you just kind of leave them alone. Yeah. You have to let them create. That's for sure. I can't tell you how frustrating it was to run a youth soccer organization and then try to get not only the parents to be calm, but also the coaches to be calm. And, you know, when they're little kids, let's not worry about, let's not worry about the result right now. The results will come later. Right. Um, and I, I think I've kind of carried that philosophy through to leading the teams that I've led since I've coached soccer and still today. So team led team, you know, to someone who's just hearing the phrase for the first time, you know, might strike somebody as like, Oh, that sounds like the inmates run the asylum. How does that work? So Shane, how does that work? Uh, there's a lot of trust involved in this. Um, it's, it starts with my, with my leadership team. Um, and the organization that I work in now, we have 30 ish people on the team. They're all remotely based. I have three managers who are also all remotely based. And it really started for me with the realization that I could not control everything that was going on as the team was growing at a rapid rate. Um, so passing down these philosophies of trust, and, and belief in the people that work with you was the first step. And it started with getting my managers to the point where they would trust and, and give things away. 
we had the team in town actually last week, the entire field organization, and I literally did nothing to prepare for it other than sit with my managers and make sure we were going the right direction. Uh, and I spoke to the team for maybe two weeks total all week last week, and it was the best meeting we ever had. Uh, the team ran the meeting. It was incredible. So it's a scary place to be. The team you speak of, Shane, uh, is, is that with another company? Uh, explain who, who that is and, and what they it do. Is. So I'm actually the director of field services for an organization called OE Connection based just outside of Cleveland. Uh, that's that's my normal day job as opposed to the team led team stuff, which is my kind of like my side gig. So I've got 30 ish field staff around the around the country. And we're every day they're engaging with automakers. Mm, and yeah. what's difficult about it is we there's no way for us to know on a day to day, moment to moment basis exactly what's going on. So by definition, there has to be a, a whole ton of trust that's put in them. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say, well, is this person are they working or are they like sitting by the beach? Who knows what's really going on? Right. So mm-hmm. for, for us, it's all come down to to really putting in place a very, a very important piece of the puzzle for us is as a team, we created a mission, vision, and philosophy statement. Everything goes back to that now. So if anybody is doing anything, whatever they decide to do, does it meet, does it match our mission? Does it match the vision? Does it match up with the philosophies? If it doesn't, don't do it. And it's taken a good four or five years to really embed that in everybody. Now, when we bring new people on, and we get them up to speed, they're probably more bought in than the senior people at this point. Because we we hit it, we hit them right in the nose with it from the moment they step in the door. Wow. You say that trust is a big thing, but also giving a path for professional development. Can you talk about your approach to that? Yeah, that's that's really that's been very difficult for for that, that specific team, just because the organization that I work with this started. I was the only field person at the company. So this has kind of been a kind of a rogue. We sort of built it over time. Um, So now what we're doing is really focusing on how how do we take people from being a performance coach? How do we make them become a senior coach? And how how do we give them opportunities to do other things maybe that aren't even field-based anymore? So we've been trying, we've actually been creating opportunities on the fly. Everything from pushing people into product management. And this is actually working. There's no formal process to it, though. That's for sure. So if you're a small business owner and you don't have, you have, you know, a small number of employees, what you're saying is you should create some sort of a little program or incentive program that makes people feel like they have forward motion career wise, even the tiny things like that. Yeah, we're always looking for ways to even the last week's meeting, giving giving up control and letting the team run the meeting was actually very powerful. I know everybody that we that stepped forward. We didn't assign anything to anybody. We said, who wants to do what? And they basically came up with the ideas. So the ones that actually stepped forward, they know that they're continuing to ascend within the organization and they stay, they're happy. And they don't, I I can say I'm proud of the fact that we have the lowest turnover in our entire organization. Nobody leaves my team. Wow. It's either it's either because they're bought in or because they're really sitting by the beach every day. I don't know which one. <laughs> well, so with that though, I must imagine that accountability has to play a huge part because we talk a lot about accountability on this show and how you measure things. So what uh, term what metrics do you use for measuring the fact that the fact that they're not at the beach every day? So what the what they actually do on a day-to-day basis is we are working with automotive dealerships to help their parts departments sell more 
original equipment parts. So if we've got a, if we've got someone working with a Ford dealer, they're trying to bring up the level of their internal people to sell more Ford parts instead of selling instead of collision centers buying knockoff parts from other you know from China from Japan. These things that come in and they're not engineered properly. Which if you've ever if you've ever had a car accident. You know that that's a reality that can happen to you. Mm-hmm. You bash up, you bash up a newer car, and the next thing you know, you've got a, a a fender that came from who knows where, and now the car is not as safe. So, what we're constantly looking at with these folks, whenever we engage with either an automaker or with just an individual dealer, is how many parts were they selling when you stepped in the door, and how many parts are they selling today? That's 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 our that's our dead on number. So, activity be damned, it's all about results. about results. And it's interesting. So I pulled some numbers together for last week with our team and these numbers, we all, everyone talks about percentages, right? So I just took a look in 2017 at, at Ford Motor Company and the dealers that we engaged on average are making about 425% more money in part sales against the aftermarket than the ones that didn't get coached. So those numbers are ridiculous. Wow. Those really are something, yeah. If we weren't doing the work, if we were sitting at the beach, this stuff wouldn't happen. What we know is when you, when you coach and train somebody, when you leave them, if you let them go, they will, by, by definition, they'll fall away. They'll start to drop off. So this is constant plan that we have. And the team-led team philosophy then translates down to our customers because our coaching staff has been trained and coached to do the same thing with the people that they work with every day. So we give up a lot of control to the dealers every day too, which freaks them out. They're not, they're not <laughs> built to do that. They're not used to somebody coming in and saying, Hey, let's work together. Let's walk together. They're used to being told what to do and we don't tell them what to do. We try to get them to think about why they do it. It's been a long process. So if it's a team led team, I mean, that leads one to wonder then why do you need leaders? Um, someone's got to set the strategic vision and the, uh, the strategic course, right? And that's kind of how I see myself as well as my as my leadership team. I don't want to be in the weeds. We need to be setting up our national accounts crew for bigger opportunities, for different ways to look at things. A lot of a lot of the work that I do actually now is working with our sales department and our national accounts department to help them understand how to sell this because we're selling like this etherware, right? We're selling feel good stuff. We we talk about stories. We don't, I don't want to talk about, I mean, four and 25%. Of course we talk about that, but that's not why we do this. We do this because it's down to safety and it's down to all these other things that people don't really think about in the dealership world. Um, So I would say without, without a good strategic leadership team, this could potentially fall apart. Then it's every man for himself, right? Hmm. So we set the course and we, we basically created the framework for them to operate with that. It sounds like to me that this has also freed up a lot of your time to go focus on other things. And that's a huge benefit um, where you're sitting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that was fascinating to me before we started recording. Hearing you say, uh, Lee, he said, uh, what'd you say? Uh, I only had to talk to my team like two hours last week. I I totally, yeah, last week, my whole team was in town. They were here from, they they all came in Sunday. We started early Monday morning and left at the end of the day, Friday. I spent a total of about two hours addressing the team. which is crazy to think about as wow. the leader of the team. I, I'm just watching my team address the team. Our, our chief sales officer came in and he just looked at me and he says, I, I don't know how you've done this. I don't understand how you've done this. And that's all he could say. He didn't know what to say, which was pretty amazing. So how did you do it? 
It's been an a very intentional process, right? We started down this path years ago. Literally everybody, I think, thought that I was crazy. Um, I started putting some rules in place for myself, like I, I won't go to a meeting unless I'm absolutely dead on required to be there. So I don't go to meetings really anymore because, as you guys know, most of the time, if, when you're sitting in a meeting, you're just sitting in a meeting wasting time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's been part of the process. Um, another one is just working with the team over time to get them to to focus on what they're doing now and what they want to do in the future rather than putting out fires. The thing that drives me the, the most crazy is little things. Like if I see somebody on, on this team send an email on a Sunday, they're going to get a phone call from me. They mm. should have been working with their family on Sunday, not sending emails on Sunday. I will not send an email out to the team after hours. I won't do it. And, and they've learned by example. They know they can't get a hold of me on a Saturday or a Sunday. I'm with, I'm with my family. There's lots of people listening right now thinking themselves, oh, guilty. Guilty. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that myself. You had, Lee and I were texting some stuff last night, and I'm like, oh, it's Sunday night, but you know, it was important. Yeah, we were mostly complaining about the Grammy Awards. Yeah, so we that's a, were. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Shane, you, you, you know what? You said something that's very interesting there because a lot of managers have, have uh, who want to become leaders. Uh, to become a leader, you have to get out of the weeds. And you mentioned that. But I think you also basically uh, mentioned how, uh, how a manager can get out of the weeds, which is really to teach their team to think for themselves and do for themselves so that you don't have to be in the weeds, you know, helping them, you know, helping them sell, helping them close or helping them with a problem or something like that. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly right. And one thing that we've really pushed the team hard on is this concept of the ladder of leadership. And I don't know if you've seen this Lee, but this was kind of coined by, by a guy called David Marquet. He's a former submarine commander. And it's something that he he actually implemented with one of the submarines he was on years ago. And it was trying to get the, you know, if you think about a team, in a lot of cases, a lot of managers, I think I'm a really bad manager. Hmm. I think I'm a really good leader. Um, a lot In a lot of environments, you have a, a, the boss that says, I'm going to tell you what to do, right? Mm -hmm. And that getting bosses to stop doing that and mm -hmm. trying to get to a point where the team is saying, hey, this is what I want to do. I think we should do this and trying to climb up that ladder to the point where they, and what we try to get our team to do is instead of calling their manager and asking, can I do this or, or calling the manager and saying, Hey, I think we should do this. I love it when they say, Hey, I intend to do this. And the way, the way that we've trained the team, when they say, I intend to do this, it's up to the manager to tell them if they're crazy. Most of the time when they think they, they've thought through it and now the, if, as long as they're not going to sink the ship, right? If it's something crazy, well, let's talk about it. And in most cases, it's not going to damage anything. It's trying, it's failing, it's falling on your face and getting up to go again. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's hard to do. Um, what we have found is in a lot of cases, people that have been with our company for a long time have resisted this because that's not the organizational way that things are done. Um, they're used to being told what to do. Just go do your job and then go home. Mm -hmm. Now what we've done is we've instilled this trust and ownership within the team. It was actually last week. It was funny. My management team, I've gotten them up to the top of that ladder now where they'll tell me things that they've been doing that I didn't even know they were doing because wow. they just started doing it. They, I, and they have, they know I trust them to do it as long as they're not going to sink the ship, go with it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's freed up so much of my time. I can't even tell you how much of my time is free. I've heard a couple, oh, I was going to say a couple concepts in our discussion that are fascinating to me because they really take 
the way my, the, the way I think of things should be well, like operationally or whatever, and turned it on its head. Am I right about that? I, I think you're right. What do you think, Lee? Well, I think you're, she's absolutely right about that. But I think that to really make this concept work, I think you have to have a really strong team. I mean, and you have to have meaning that really strong team members. And so uh, whether it be your time in the Navy or whether it be your love of football or whether it be uh, your work in the business world, I'm really curious to hear from you. What makes a good team? What qualities have to be in existence in every team? And, and, and who, you know, what players do you have to have on every team? I think it's, it's critical that – Man- management is important, right? Managing, inspecting what you expect, right? There, there's got to be some level of that from the leadership team. But really, when it comes down to it, you want to have people that are great at their position, that, that are bold, and that are willing to take chances. They're not afraid of the consequence. For, and it's the same in soccer. It's the same in the military, right? I, I don't want people to just do what I say to do. That's not helpful to them because then they can't do it without me. Um, I, I tease the team all the time that, you know, if I go out and get hit by a bus, they're not going to miss me anymore. They don't need me. Um, somebody else would step into the void and they wouldn't hit, they wouldn't miss a beat. And you need I think you need people at every aspect of a team to make it work have to be in that same mindset. Right. My managers have to be brave enough to say, if I leave, nothing's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change that. So and, and being comfortable with that reality, I think, is the most important thing you can do as a leader being comfortable enough with yourself to say they don't need me, but they want me to be here. I love that. I'm so fired up right now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I'll call you later with like 20 things that I want to do. No. I'm- okay. That sounds great. <laughs> the mission accomplished here. <laughs> I know. Right. No, but definitely like just for me feeling like I'm available 24 seven. Anytime somebody needs me is this, this my view of like an exceptional service level. And what you're saying is, is that that's not correct thinking to a certain extent. That's the way I see it. I mean, I think the, the team can solve the, they can solve the problems. They're smart enough. And as long as they're brave enough, they can solve any problem that's put in front of them. I, I just get to be the guy that I, I guess I look at myself now as I just kind of run interference for our, our own internal company culture when things start to go sideways. So how do you protect that psychological safety that, that you've developed in them so that they can have that courage to, to do these types of things from these outside sources, whether it be pushing down from, from uh, the top of your organization or whether it be from clients or whether it be from, from other outside sources? How do you protect that? A lot of times I, when, when things really start to go haywire, I don't even tell them what's going on. Um, I, 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 take, I take the beatings sometimes and that's okay with me. But I think to keep them going, it's not any different than coaching six-year-olds in soccer, right? It's just when they when they fail, you let them know it's okay. Go fail again. I and mean, one of our one of our philosophies is that it's okay to fail. We want I want that I want everybody on my team. Every month we ask a question: What's the biggest failure you had last month? And they have to answer it. And it's and that answer is shown to everybody on the team. And it's not it's not to shame them. It's to say that's okay. It's okay that you failed. Keep moving forward. So we've we've instilled this in our culture now. So now they know, hey, yeah, man, I really screwed that up. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about that this month. And they've done that. Last week, I know one of the one of our team members, they did a two-hour breakout on biggest failures of 2017. And let me tell you something. We had some big ones. Mm-hmm. But we celebrated the failure. It's okay because it led to something bigger. Continuing to, to just pump that culture. What's the biggest failure then you've ever, you've ever heard during this process? I've, I've had people 
try things. I actually had one guy and it was, this is a bad thing, right? He actually got banned from a client site. Wow. Okay. They actually called the police to remove him. It was crazy. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything that, that, that deserved that level of insanity, but they were, they, I think they were so threatened by him and he was, he was so passionate about making it happen. They said, you've got to get out of here. They won't let him back on their property anymore. Probably a Chelsea fan. Uh, probably, well, <laughs> that or a United fan. Well, we're going to wow. we're going to be getting some emails and some tweets now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe. But I mean, what, what he what he did was nothing. He just he he pushed too hard. He upset somebody by pushing too hard, and they said, "Get out of here." And he said, "Well, no, let's keep going." And they just but they sent him away. Mm. Um, he thought I was going to fire him. I'm not going to fire him. He he goofed up. Okay, so let's talk about it. What did you do wrong? What could you have done differently? Okay, off you go then, and you keep going. And that's exactly what you did with the sixty the six year old kids when you were coaching them in Pickerington. Yeah, it's exactly. It's funny because it's literally exactly the same. It's full circle. It's it's it makes me feel good to think that the little the little things that we could do with five and six year old kids learning to play football are the same things I can do with 45 year old guys that get kicked out of a dealership. Right? It's just a lot harder. It's yeah. I mean, kids are more directable. Yeah. Yeah. The conversation was, the conversation wasn't as nice as I would have been with a five-year-old, but um, it all worked out. And he's actually, a, he's actually a stronger coach for the, for the, the experience. He really is. Well, if people want to know more about team led teams, how can they reach you, Shane? I know your LinkedIn is Shane Murphy. That's your, you're yeah. the only guy on there. You own Shane Murphy on LinkedIn. Probably. I do. I, I own ShaneMurphy.com. So ShaneMurphy.com is probably the easiest way to get to me. I think it'll just redirect to my LinkedIn. And also TeamLedTeam.com, which I understand as of this morning is going somewhere weird. But uh, either one of those should be fine. I'll fix that today. So. And, and we can tweet you at yeah, TeamLedTeam. You can tweet me at TeamLedTeam. Sure. This I look forward to reading wonderful. your book sometime in the future there, Shane. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be coming. All right. At some point. That's a challenge. I'm challenging you, and we'll bring uh, you back when you're ready to release that. Not, not the first time you've challenged me, Lee. <laughs> That's right. Well, thanks You've for never let me down you. so far. Oh, I appreciate that, man. All right. Thanks, Shane. Hey, thanks to you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.